0: Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Full Court Press has the latest news and opinions from men's and women's college basketball. Our hosts are John Fanta, who calls games all around the country for Fox Sports and others, and Kim Adams, an analyst for Fox and ESPN, and a former D1 baller who never saw a three-point opportunity she didn't like. If you don't believe me, check her Twitter page. Take it away, guys.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Full Core Press with Fanta and Adams. I'm your host, John Fanta, flying solo on this podcast. And first and foremost, everybody, just want to wish everybody safety and health during this time with the coronavirus. Obviously, things are changing hour by hour as we do this podcast. It's Monday, March the 16th. And what a crazy last week it's been. You think about all of the people in our world that are getting impacted right now. That was really felt in the college sports landscape uh, during championship week. And, and I think that in the basketball world with the NBA season getting suspended and then college basketball following suit, that was really the first major ground-shaking moment in this. And now with the CDC recommending that we have at least eight weeks until a, a large gathering, Uh, It appears that we're going to be pretty much living virtual, living inside our homes uh, for the time being. With that, though, the full-court press will try to keep it rolling with you. And today we've got a great guest. We've got Marcus Howard, the Marquette all-time leading scorer, an absolute legend in his own right, one of the best scorers in college basketball history. And we will talk with him just about the shock that came this past Thursday in New York City when his Marquette Golden Eagles were scheduled to play Seton Hall in the quarterfinals of the Big East Tournament. I was at Madison Square Garden. As you all know, uh, I cover the Big East around the clock. That's my primary role along with doing work for Fox Sports. And had gotten back from the women's tournament in Chicago. Everything went, went through that without any sort of a hiccup And that championship game was played Monday. So kind of had the Tuesday gap day. And then Wednesday, arriving to Madison Square Garden, you start to see that advisories are getting posted, that the Mid-American Conference, and I've got the connection of being from Ohio, where I am now. I'm back home with family. And the Mid-American Conference had come out and said that they weren't going to play in front of fans. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, do we feel like, that we're going to play a Big East tournament, at least in front of fans? That, that was my first thought. And never, folks, did I think on Wednesday, and I, I got this sense from the room, never did you think at least Wednesday afternoon that we wouldn't at least get through championship week and that the NCAA tournament could be played without fans. Well, little did we know uh, just how earth-shattering It would be in the sports world when Rudy Gobert tests positive for coronavirus. The irony of it being, and the power of it being, and we've heard interviews with Gobert and Donovan Mitchell recently, Donovan Mitchell this morning on Good Morning America said he really feels okay right now, could play in a seven-game series. And when you think about it, folks, that just shows you how powerful this virus is because he's still someone who could cause it on someone else. Uh, even though he doesn't have a symptom. And all I can think to myself now is how many other people uh, have this virus that we don't know about. But to focus on the garden on Thursday, being inside the building, you got an eerie feeling. Uh, Two games have been played Wednesday night in front of fans, and the garden was rocking. St. John's ended the game on a 23-0 run to get past Georgetown And all of a sudden, the Johnnies, they they were feeling like a team that could put an upset bid together. Uh, A team that hadn't won a Big East tournament since 2000, they ended up being up at the half on Creighton on Thursday, but basketball became secondary by then. By the end of Wednesday night, it had been announced by the Big East that they were going to play in front of limited attendance, that each fan base, uh, each school rather, would get 200 tickets that they could give to family, friends, fans, and have 200 people to a side. Well, Thursday morning, arriving at the Garden, it was 11.48 a.m. I had already done a preview for the day that was posted on the biggie social and digital platforms that had already been posted, and I was about to go out to the court to start games up, but by that time Thursday morning, when the NBA has suspended their season, when everything's getting pushed back, that is when it hit me walking in Thursday morning and then sitting there Thursday morning. Are we actually going to finish this day, nor alone this tournament, and walking out to the garden to the floor courtside for that Thursday noon game, a quarterfinal game between Creighton and Saint John's, and by the minute eleven forty-eight, the Big Ten's canceling their tournament, the ACC's canceling their tournament, the Pac-12, the Big Twelve, the American. Uh, the Atlantic 10, which the Big East was in touch with, um, communicating with before the noon tip time, the Atlantic 10 pulled their teams off the court because the a 10s using the Barclays Center uh, over there in Brooklyn. So the two New York local tournaments, those two conferences were really in touch with one another. Uh, here's what we knew. We knew that the Big East had been in touch with New York City several times throughout the course of the week. And that New York City had said they were not calling off large gatherings of people. They were not putting anything uh, into force or into law or telling people that that couldn't happen. Having said this, you have all these other conferences announcing that they're calling their tournaments off. and, And the natural inclination is, okay, the Big East isn't going to play this game at noon. Now, the game tipped off. Basketball totally become secondary in fact looking around at the fans that were in the stands because Creighton was playing folks they had family but we're talking about a a school that's out in Omaha uh, and doesn't sell a ton of Big East tournament tickets to begin with because of the fact they're across the country so you had some fans there a limited number I'd say 20 to 40 But you still had some fans in the stands part of their 200-ticket allotment. And looking around at all the fans, they're all looking at their phones. Everybody's following Twitter to see what's next. When's this announcement going to come out? And I was sitting in press row thinking, this can't be happening right now. This is the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. And first off, it's it's been basically ruined because what makes it so special is the fact that you, you've had 20,000, in and around 20,000, going strong for 38 years. It was jarring, absolutely jarring, to see the limited crowds and to see these players out on the floor. Now, I'll say this. Never once did I get the inclination that players or coaches were afraid of playing or in fear. I didn't get that vibe, but I will tell you right now, I was getting texts from other players that were playing later in the day that were scared to play. They did not want to go out and play, and understandably so. The Big East process through this, in playing a half of Creighton St. John's, Val Ackerman explained the commissioner of the Big East. She's now in her seventh year. Uh, she was the founder of the WNBA, part of the founding, uh, their first president. And she said that they didn't want to have a dramatic pull-the-players-off-the-court moment. And they didn't want to step in and and cause that kind of drama on players and on fans and do what we saw in the Thunder Jazz game a couple of nights, well, rather the night before, where you kind of got a fear if you were a spectator. And that's understandable. And people, people asked, and rightly so, about starting the game in the first place. Well, part of this had to do with logistics. The Big East is not a football conference. They were holding some significant league meetings before the noon start time between Creighton and St. John's uh, that had to do with everything that was going on and has been going on with coronavirus, but also decisions that had to be made amongst presidents and amongst the schools. And that meeting was ongoing um, at a law office, which Val Ackerman explained in her press conference. So between the logistics of that, you don't have meetings around your football games. You don't have meetings around that season. You do it around your basketball tournament and around your basketball season. Uh, But the Big East ended up not having those players and teams come back out. The spectators left. It really was not a dramatic moment. You know, you you think about this, folks, and and one thought of it is, if they stop that game in the middle of the game and blow the whistle uh, from a From a PR standpoint, you've got potentially players and coaches running off the court and you become the absolute lead storyline because you have that type of of drama. And I think there was a lot of thought put into trying to make this as easy on the athletes as it could go. I booked a flight home to Cleveland uh, shortly after the rest of the day had been canceled the rest of the tournament because... I thought to myself, I'm better off home with family and friends and, and staying inside my own house where I, where I grew up and then, then to be in New Jersey all alone. And, and man, am I glad I did now four or five days later because this is unprecedented. It's shocking. What I can say is we'll try to bring you the positives. Um, that's what I'm here to do. You've now heard about all the different things that we've gone through, but all we can do is move forward. And I've tried to just get back to Cleveland and spend time with family that I don't get to normally spend this time of year uh, and, uh, and other times of year. Today we're going to talk to an all-timer at Marquette and an all-timer in college basketball, Marcus Howard. And he's got story after story about his time in Milwaukee, and he's got a bright future as well. For not only the player that he is on the court, but the man he is off of it. So here on the Full Court Press, we're trying to go full steam ahead. And we're going to give you some of those memories and some of the stories. Because as much as the journey of this college basketball season has ended, I think sometimes we get stuck remembering a player or a coach based on what they do in the last game of the season. Unless you're the national champion, that's losing a game. i got to say... This stoppage will allow us to appreciate the process. The process of getting to the big dance. Marcus Howard, he's gone three of four years, had there been a selection show this year. And there's so many other great stories in this sport. So while my heart aches for the players and coaches, there's still a lot of good to tell. And a lot of good that we'll be talking about. It's great to get some perspective from one of the all-time greats in college basketball history, finishing his career with 2,761 points, a Big East Player of the Year in 2018-19, an All-American selection. He did it all for the Marquette Golden Eagles, and his legacy will be felt forever in Milwaukee. It's Marcus Howard joining us. Marcus, thanks for taking the time. I know you're out in Arizona with your family. It's much appreciated. I just want to start with, Looking at Thursday, unprecedented what happened. Take me through it. You guys were supposed to play at 930 against Seton Hall. Take me through that day on Thursday.
0: Yeah, you know, um, we had heard the day prior, you know, with uh, things happening in the media and on the news with um, players in the NBA um, being affected by the virus. So um, it was. we were all aware of what was going on, but uh, we were still preparing for our game. So I remember just waking up the next morning, um going getting ready to go to shoot around Uh, our team's on the bus as we're getting ready for shoot around and we're we're literally just leave our hotel and all of a sudden um coach Bojo just comes to the back of the bus and tells us that the tournament's been canceled and that we have to head back to the hotel so I mean right away it was just kind of like immediate shock from everybody um something so unexpected uh for us uh we had seen a lot of other tournaments being canceled but for ours to kind of be canceled just so suddenly and then um soon, soon later hearing that the whole NCAA tournament was going to be canceled as well. I mean, everything was just so surreal at the moment. And it still kind of is, you know, just the fact of the matter that, um, you know, not only mine, but so many other people's seasons are over. So, I mean, it's just been a crazy couple of days. So
1: you get back to the hotel after being told the Big East tournament's canceled. Then what happens?
0: Um, Right away, I mean, um, our coach met with, you know, our AD and our president, and they're talking about you know, trying to get us back home as soon as possible, you know, to make sure that everything was okay, um, to kind of be distanced from everything going on in New York. So, I mean, everybody kind of went their separate ways um, right away. I know some of my teammates left that night. Um, I left the next day. So, I mean, it was just kind of everything was kind kind of hectic at that time, just trying to get everybody home and away from New York City.
1: What do you remember that you told your teammates on
0: Thursday? Um, you know, everything happened so fast. I mean, it was still kind of fresh that our season was actually over. So, I mean, just saying goodbye, you know, to the team that I'd see him soon, things like that. So, I mean, it was just um nothing real, real crazy. I mean, it was just all at the moment, very fast, and everything kind of happened so quickly that um, it was one of those things that, you know, I didn't really even get to say goodbye like I wanted to. But, um, yeah, it was definitely something that just happened so fast.
1: So some guys, when you talk about some
0: guys went back to Milwaukee, I'm guessing, or or
1: what did everybody try to just get back to their their homes with family?
0: Um, from what I understand, I know a good amount of the guys um, went home, um, and then I think only a couple are still back in Milwaukee. So, um, but I know more than half of the, the team is back home in the prospective states.
1: What's your mindset as you're on that flight Friday morning? All the way back to arizona across the country
0: yeah i mean there's still just a lot of questions in my head like you know why is this happening and all things like that but um i mean there's nothing really i could do about it you know so at this point in time i took a lot of time to just reflect and uh, remember the good times and all the time and people um i shared with at marquette um kind of just going through four years and seeing all the things remembering all the things that happened and kind of just appreciating it all and things like that and then I'm um, just thinking about getting home and getting ready to train and getting prepared for the next step of my life, which is preparing for the NBA. So, I mean, um, that's kind of been my focus right now.
1: With everything going on with precautions in the community, what was your day today? Like what, what'd you do?
0: Um, I've been kind of just home, home. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to train and um in proximity with my family and Um, just, just have it kind of be us. So, I mean, we're training, but we're doing it kind of very, very private, you know, away from everything, away from everybody. So, um, I mean, just, just trying to, um, be as safe as possible, but also just, um, just be around my family because, you know, um, you know, this is really a time where I can be with my family and enjoy their time and, um, really just try and stay as healthy as I can.
1: In terms of training, Marcus, I know that you're up normally pretty early. So, at your home, I know you've got an outdoor court, I'm pretty sure. Do you have something indoors, or, or how close is that workout center for you?
0: Yeah, so um, our family actually has um, a location that's about uh four to five minute drive from our house. So, I mean, we have a half court, um, it's, it's indoors. We have a full NBA size half court, and then we have a weight room in the back. So, I mean, um, that's all for us to use. So, I mean, we're able to use that um, at our disposal. So, I mean, I'm very fortunate to, you know, have that um, resource. Uh, be so close to my family and everything like that. Then we also have a weight room in our um, in our living room, so uh, I'm not too far from getting any kind of work in at all. So that's something that I wasn't really worried about in coming home. But um, I'm fortunate that I'm able to do that in close proximity.
1: I know how close you are with the rest of your family, your brothers in particular, Jordan, Desmond. Where are they right now?
0: Yeah. So actually, um, Desmond been in arizona so i mean he's been there throughout but um jordan actually got back a day after i did so um you know the whole family's back together you know so jordan's season in puerto rico is on a um, hiatus just like the nba so i'm sure once the things in the nba start moving so will his season but um yeah as of right now our whole family's back together and then you know it hasn't been that way for about nine to ten months so um it's great for our family that we're able to uh, be here under these circumstances but um yeah right now we're just trying to embrace each other's time together because we know it's very limited mm-hmm
1: basketball wise you three play 21 is it horse what is it that you three are doing
0: um we, we do a little bit of everything um desmond can't really keep up with me and jordan anymore so uh <laughs> jordan jordan's my main competition right now but i mean anything we can do we're always competitive in it whether that's shooting drills or whether that's you know playing against each other but um, we just have a great time having at, at each other's company because i mean You know, like I said, um, I don't get to see him that often. So when we are together, you know, we really like to spend time together. You and your brother, Jordan,
1: uh, the all-time leading duo of brothers in college basketball history. I know you've talked about how much uh, that means. You passed the Curry brothers uh, during this past season and really remarkable. I I want to turn with the NBA and whatnot. What are you hearing about any pre-draft process at the moment?
0: I mean, I haven't really heard much. I mean, everything's just so up in the air as it is um, with everything going on right now with the NBA, so um, I'm not hearing anything, you know. I mean, I plan to meet with um, agents to represent me at some point um, in the coming weeks, but um, when it comes time for me to sign with an agency, you know, I'll I'll kind of, they'll be my first point of contact in terms of finding out what the whole thing will be with the pre-draft process, but as of right now, I mean, I have no idea. You know, but either way, I'm treating it as such that every day I'm trying to, you know, train and just get better. So um, and I, I just know when the time comes, I'll be ready to go. I know faith is a big part of who
1: you are. Can you speak to how essential that is in a time like this?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just being around my family, my support system, you know, they do a great job of also instilling that in me when at times I might not feel my best. So. In mean, a time like this, I know that no matter what happens, as long as I have my family, um, things will pan out. And things like this, I know it's all part of God's plan, so I can't really um, look at things that I can't control. All I can do is, you know, trying to make the most of each day, and that's, you know, spending time with my family, my uh, my loved ones, and then just trying to get better as a basketball player. I mean, this is a point in time in my life where I can focus on myself and what I need to do to put myself in the best position to be a successful professional. So um, I'm just trying to do the necessary things that I can. And I know that no matter what, you know, things will work out in themselves. So.
1: You had your senior day, Marcus, and it was quite the event, but you and the rest of, of the class, Sakar Anima, I know how much he means to you and Jake Johnson, the, the Utah transfer as well. It was it was something that was pretty powerful at the FISAR forum. And you got a chance to speak to the fans. And and in that message, you talked about Coach Wojciechowski, Steve Wojciechowski's impact on the program, and and just you kind of quieted what some people have been saying. I want to give you the chance to kind of expand on those thoughts of what Steve Wojciechowski did for you, and what would you say about what he's done with this Marquette program?
0: Yeah, I mean – all I know is a lot of people do a lot of talking who have no idea what goes on within our program. And I can speak from this, from experience, I can speak from this, from seeing it with my own eyes. Um, there aren't many people who sacrifice and work as hard as coach Bojo. Um, I've seen this man take so much time from his family, um, from his kids, just like, just like a lot of coaches around the country, but the amount of time that he puts into building relationships, not only with his players, but with, you know, people all around the program, around the community. I mean, nobody really takes into the, the, to account how much this guy sacrifices, not only for himself, but for for his team and for the guys around him. I mean, um, he shares his time with 12 to 13 other grown men who are trying to find themselves when he has two kids of his own. And I think that gets put uh, – that doesn't get put into perspective when we're talking about wins and losses. And um, it kind of makes me a little upset when people kind of take that for granted cause, uh, he's done some amazing things for the program not only on the court but off the court you know we've had year after year our gpa has gone up and up as a team and that's been a constant theme that he's preached ever since we've i've gotten to school there and i know it's been like that even before i was there when he was um given the job but um i mean just what he's done for me um as a player and as a man um i, I wouldn't see any i I, w- I couldn't see myself anywhere else or the success I've had without him being just so instrumental to all the things I've done just because of what I've learned from him and me and his relationship has built so much over time. And, you know, just I have so much respect for him as a coach, but as a man as well, just because um, all the things he not only does for myself, but so many things he does for um, everyone on the team. So I think that really gets overshadowed with wins and losses, but in the grand scheme of things, it's much bigger than that. And I think he's really making a difference. Um, Not only the things that happen that people see on the court, but, he's bringing really, he's really bringing in first class people. And I think all the guys that we recruit, um, when they come to realize, people come to realize that they're really just first class people. And that's the thing we, he looks at most when um, he recruits somebody, he recruits somebody that um, he would want to bring around his kids and around his wife. And I think he really um, emphasizes that. Um, and it, it really shows with how we are as a culture and as a program. So, um, you know, there's nobody who, um, I mean, I appreciate him more than anybody. Um, in the Marquette community and in the Marquette program just because he's given me so much um, and so much more than just basketball. So, um, yeah, no, he's been one of the biggest uh, influences in my life in the game. So I'm just super appreciative of him, and I'll I'll always be – he'll always have – I always have his back, always have mine. So, um, yeah, that's my guy.
1: How would you try to assess the way this season went, your final one in a Marquette uniform?
0: I mean, it's super hard to assess just because, I mean, it didn't even really end, in a sense. Um, You know, we didn't get a chance to um, finish the the deal. But um, I thought we had a lot of great moments as a team. Um, And I thought we showed a lot of heart a lot of fight. And I think as a group, uh, I can be really proud of that. Um, You know, we've dealt with a lot of adversity throughout the year. And um, I think the team and guys specifically handled it extremely well. Um, nobody complained. Nobody pointed fingers. I mean, at the end of the day, even though when things didn't go our way, I mean, we, we we stuck with each other and we continued to work and get better. So um, I can look in the mirror. I know a lot of our guys on our team can look in the mirror and can be proud of the season we put together just because I truly felt we played for each other and we tried to get better each and every day. So even though our season didn't necessarily end how we wanted, I felt that. As a team, we really try to attack each and every day and try to embrace the time we had with each other.
1: You talked about the bond you had with your senior teammate, Sakar Annam, and that he stuck with you and you stuck with him in moments where things were adverse in tougher times in your journey, in the ups and the downs. In 2020, Marcus, where transfers are at an all-time high in this sport, how rewarding was it to have that type of a relationship
0: with a player? I mean, it was great. Um, you know, I look back on it, there were a lot of people in our program who, you know, could have still been on the program this year, but um the fact of the matter is that Sack was the only one that had been there with me when I first started. It says a lot about for one, what what Marquette means to him, and then also it just yeah, I think it just speaks on the type of relationship me and him have. And, um, you know, I've seen him grow in so many ways. I mean, he's he's been through so much as a player and he's grown so much at his time in Marquette. And for us to be able to end our careers together, I thought it was really special. And, you know, I think that's really helped our relationship grow over time, too. I mean, especially this year, seeing that we we're the only ones who kind of came in together and were able to leave together. So um, to be able to see that, to be able to share, you know, moments with a guy like that. Um, it's really special, and I think it's something that's going to go far beyond our time at Marquette. And I know we're going to have a relationship that goes beyond basketball for a long time. So um, I'm fortunate, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to have a guy like that, that I can lean on whenever I need him, and likewise, and vice versa. So um, a guy like SAC, you know, it's hard, they're hard to find. So I'm, I'm really fortunate that I was able to have four years with SAC.
1: Giannis is taking up an instrument. I'm seeing other NBA players do a bunch of different things to try to occupy their time. Any thought on what you might try to to do to kill some time?
0: Uh, I might try to expand my horizons in the kitchen, try to maybe uh, put together a little cookbook or something like that, try some new dishes. But I don't know. Um, I can't play an instrument. I would love to, but I feel like I never have the time to. Um, but, no, I'll definitely try to you know, expand my culinary horizons
1: you know I will be the first to buy that cookbook if it goes on sale.
0: <laughs> oh no, for sure. I appreciate that.
1: Dinner at the Howards could be a digital series.
0: Oh, it could be, definitely. I mean hey, we have different people that could cook every night.
1: And you've got your own doesn't your brother kinda have some production company or, or he's into that type of stuff, yes?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, he definitely is. Uh he's 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 one of a kind when it comes to, you know, making videos and making content like that. So um, you know. I have a very talented family, I must say, um, you know, with my my two brothers, my mom and my dad. You know, everybody has something, something different that they bring to the table. But, no, Jordan's unbelievable with what he does um, in media production. So like, he went to school for it, and, you know, he he does that on the side, which is crazy. I mean, he, he plays professional basketball, but yet he can still create such amazing content with, you know, cameras and, you know, using different programs on the computer. So Jordan's a Swiss Army knife of the family, that's for sure.
1: Marcus, what's your message to the Marquette community?
0: Um, You know, just how appreciative I am of them. You know, they've they've really taken me in um, as a part of their family. They'll always be a part of my family. um, The four years that i spent in Marquette have been the best of my life. And, um, you know, it's really sad that it ended the way it did. But, I mean, I wouldn't change anything um, that happened just because um, the memories that I've shared with the Marquette community have been, ones that I'll have with me for the rest of my life. So um, I just, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful um, for all the people I've met and the things I experienced in my time at Marquette. And, you know, like I said, I wouldn't change it for anything in the world.
1: There are certain guys who awe us in their performance. And there are certain guys who make this job that much easier because not only are they great in their performance, but they're great in accommodating whatever is needed. And that's who you are and who you've been throughout your career. So it's much appreciated. It's been a pleasure to cover you throughout your four years. I know you got many more to come in the great game of basketball and beyond. Whatever it is, it's going to lead you to success. Marcus Howard, thank you for the time.
0: John, I appreciate you and all the four years I've been. So I wish you nothing but the best, and I appreciate everything.
1: Powerful stuff from Marcus Howard. What a legendary career he had. and I think that our conversation and what we've had here today on Full Court Press is Evidence, folks, we often say sports is a resort when all those things are taken away. Well, for now, the games have been taken away, but who says sports still can't be a resort? We'll try to bring that to you via basketball here on Full Court Press with Fantan Adams as we will across the other Pure Hoops Media shows. Another episode of Full Court Press is in the books. Thanks again to Marcus Howard for spending some time with us. Thanks to our producer Mike Lieber as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Ben Wolfen edits the show and we always appreciate his contributions. You could check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt drops by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and we'll be back every Tuesday with Full Core Press. Please check out all of our other shows, download them, rate and review them, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week. Stay safe and healthy, everybody. And we're going to keep rolling with you on Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams.
0: Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.